1: all right guys today it's time to have some cu- tough conversations on Lulz. uh friend of the show poker player host of high noon on poker go also a little dabbler in the dfs in best ball streets it's will jaffe joining us today on Lulz. let's do it I, does he think i it's think he thinks dope. this he thinks this is a go vegas dave thinks this is a go
2: hot naked girls doing yoga what? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. Type in <laughs> one for yes, two for no. And let the DFS cats pick for you.
1: And I'm absolutely begging you <laughs> not to dupe us. Please. Please don't dupe us. All right, Will. Welcome to Lulz. We've been trying to uh, to get together for a stream or a spaces one of these days. We finally made it happen. You're fresh off the World Series of Poker. How you doing?
3: I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm just still, I mean, I'm still thinking about how you leaked our DMS, but I'm doing pretty good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What, what was the DM you said? Oh yeah. It was because you said I'm big now. Now I can come on the show. That was too funny not to share. Well,
3: yeah, but I was being sarcastic and you made it kind of look like I was serious. So it's all good. You got to do what you got to do for the cloud, Pete. I I respect you, but I am a big fan of the show. Big fan of brick. Very, Very happy to be here.
1: Awesome. Uh, brick and, uh, you, uh, you and Will don't know each other previously, but I think we're all going to be uh, big old friends by the end of the episode. Brian, uh, how are you doing today?
2: Fantastic! Thanks for coming on, Will.
3: Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure, a privilege to be here. And and I do consider myself a DFS player first. Oh, uh, really? Just yeah, mainly just in terms of time spent and hours. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah.
1: It because you started. So the way I first got to know you was from, actually, I don't know if I knew you from trolling my streams first or when you started doing your tough conversation videos on Twitter, but that's when people really started to get to know you. You've now parlayed that into doing some actual content for Poker Go. You got your YouTube link in your bio. You've gone from like cynical kind of outsider to just part of the industrial content complex. How did that happen?
3: Um. I don't really know. Uh, someone said it best. I think they said, you're really overexposed right now. Um, it yeah. just kind of, you know, uh, extrapolated. One one gig led to another. I literally did commentary for the first time ever this year uh, in February. Um, and the only reason I did that was because Robbie Jade Lou w- reached out to me and was like, I'll get you a job. And that's the first time anybody's done that in like my 15 years playing poker. And then that led to all these other things. And now I'm overexposed.
1: Yeah, I, I literally have the word overexposed in my Twitter bio because that's how I feel uh, with with my content. But I mean, Brian and I talk about it a lot on here too that sometimes we're jealous of all of the stuff there is to talk about in the poker streets because it seems like you guys have a new scandal or drama to talk about like at least once a month where we have to really dig deep in the DFS and fantasy space to, to do the same.
3: Yeah, well, I think the problem is, is that poker is already niche and DFS is much more niche. So if you guys have a scandal, even when you have them, they're just not that juicy, generally.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Whereas, like, with poker, poker is, so, like, so big and, and popular right now, and everybody's playing it. When you had, like, the airball and Berkey thing, so many people were interested in that. You know what I mean? And, the it, like, I feel like with you guys, like, I've seen you do, like, five scandals, and they're, like, sick. And I'm, like, what's going to happen? And then the next day, nobody's talking about it. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know, I feel like with poker, basically there's these seismic events that happen throughout the year, like the Robbie hand was one, the airball Berkey thing was one, and they're really exciting, especially if people are already into poker, and they just bring everybody in as a common point, point. and then there's a lot of, like, downtime where people are just doing their thing. I don't know if it's like that in DFS, but i felt that way with poker for a long time.
2: You can always expect uh, poker to be bigger, because it's been around for, you know, 150 years. DFS has only been around for, you know, a decade or two. Uh, So, like, like I'll watch a lot of the poker scandals, and I stop playing after Black Friday, you know? So, like, uh, you'll get even guys, you know, old-school guys like me watching that stuff where we don't really have that with DFS, you know? Like, no one was playing DFS in 2005.
3: But also, DFS is such a different game. It's not played person to person you know what i mean like how do you how does like hoop and big t settle it do you know what i mean do they play right. like a head to head like do they just like that's one of the issues is that with even even though it's not even about dfs being smaller it's just like logistically how do you make that into a good beef you know what i mean like it's tough did
2: you <laughs> were you around for the em2 versus uh, osmo challenge a couple
3: of years ago so I've been around, I just, I don't really, I don't really, I didn't really follow it. I don't remember what happened. Yeah. That's a but good like, example of, like, I would say, uh, yeah, M2 would be a perfect example of someone who, if, if, if DFS beefs were like a thing, he would be, have viral videos of him on the internet. You know what I mean? Like there are just these yeah. characters, but there's just no way to like, you just play heads at head. Like we yeah, have, what ended up happening with him? Did they just play head to heads. like.
2: No, they joined small field like six man, 10 man
3: GPPs
2: (laughs) and then then played like 10 of them.
3: Yeah. That's even worse. I mean, it's just, it's also like we live in a day and age where everybody's on the internet. Everybody's kind of fired up and juiced up. So we're looking for these things to like happen. And when they do, you know what I mean? It sucks us in. And with poker, you have this really great opportunity to build, but then also like deliver like a heads up match like the Berkey Airball heads up match wasn't even streamed, but it was just yeah. a huge deal because everybody was like, oh, what the fuck is going to happen? Like he's in the bathroom with this guy, you know, like it, so I don't know how you do that in DFS. It, it certainly is uh, tough to picture like, you know, one of the Chipotle brothers, you know what I mean? Like on, a, on like a man made machine or something like like just how do you you know, how do you make that into like a
1: pay-per-view event? it's it's too hard i mean where do you fall because i feel like the classic thing in the poker is everyone's always saying like is this actually good for poker like i think the beefs when it's like i'll play you heads up for roles i think that's like unquestionably good for poker what about like the scandal stuff where it's bringing in like seeds of doubt for normies of like wait am i going to be cheated if i go to the local casino and play three six limit like or is (laughs) is there no publicity is bad publicity here
3: no it's not no publicity is bad publicity but People that when a big thing happens that brings a lot of eyeballs and interest into poker, I just have no way of seeing how it's bad for poker because it, it just by default just brings more interest. And for the people that are saying, oh, I, poker is like a, bro, people cheat, people steal. People have done that since the beginning of the time. You're gambling. That's what I always say. Is like, why do we, it's not sacred. It's fucking gambling. Like it's supposed to be fucked up and messed up. And, you know, it. I'm, I'm a fan of it all. I I don't really. I think the argument's ridiculous that it's not good for the game. Like, cause Johnny, we don't, if Johnny two shoes is too scared because Robbie had Jack four to go to his <laughs> local casino, we don't want
1: Johnny two shoes. You know what I mean?
3: We'll take <laughs> Paulie the plumber. So
1: yeah. Um, Brian, what, what, what do you think about that? Like even the, the DFS like scandal and stuff like the stuff with the site drama, you know, with these sites, like that doesn't have any, you know, uh negative effect on like the DFS ecosystem, but we don't actually have like our drama, I don't think makes DFS more interesting. Like no one watches our drama and is like, I want to go 150 max the Millie Baker and the way yeah. people. So watch I was gonna say drama. just the, yeah. the
3: first thing that comes up to mind is like the the Randone thing. Um, yeah, where I was, I remember like because I've I, as a, I've played a lot of DFS. Like I fired 150 in the millie, plenty of, plenty of, plenty of weekends. So I know that feeling of like putting money in and grinding a decent amount and not winning, and then seeing like Randon's girl or someone win like a millie in a contest I was in, you know, and being like, what the fuck? Like what is this? Is this is going on? Like I got to deal with this. But the thing is, is that it doesn't end up bringing in that much eyeballs. To 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 DFS, do you know what I mean? Like the way these these events do. I think it mostly just deters people. That's what it did for me, at least. Was that, like that that it just makes me want to play less, basically.
2: If you uh, just to, to clear Randon's name,
3: there it was his <laughs> Buddy's wife. Yes, my bad, my bad. I I, I yes. yeah, I, I don't want to get you guys in any trouble. I, I don't remember the details at all. Brian's so remember, always
1: caping yeah. up for Randall, though. No, I appreciate that.
3: No, I, I don't want
2: Not anymore. He unfollowed yeah. me.
3: He, he did. Could never be too careful yeah, these days. me. Yeah. No,
2: it's... Wow. Painful so, unfollow there. Um, what? Uh, uh, uh. The there is. I think there is one exception. Is like ultimate bet scandal type of deal. Like where the site is in on it. That could be super damaging and just not good for anybody. But it is an example of like poker's just the the, the prime example here of all the controversies, sites, cheating players, essentially. The, the huge legislative blowback and everything and yet look at how big the main event is so it's uh it's really just a matter of how popular that game is and people are going to people are still going to play it yeah
3: poker yeah, poker's bigger than ever it's just the, the proof is in the pudding it's it's not you know i don't know why it's happening but it's happening and it's huge and yeah it's cool because i've played so long i've just been in the game you know so it's it's i've seen these iterations of it you know i started playing full time in 2006 and the game was absurd then, you know, like I, I was printing money in college and I couldn't believe how easy it was to make a lot of money. And, you know, then it got tougher back Friday happened. so to see this latest surge, it, obviously it's also, it's, it's just great as a poker player.
1: Do you, do you attribute that? I mean, obviously there's always going to be multiple factors, but are, do you think like the vlog style stuff is like one of the biggest drivers of like the poker boom?
3: I think it's one of them for sure. I think there, there are a lot of them, but it's definitely one of them. Yeah. Did, did you get, sorry, this is my new details
2: for for poker players, but did, did you get, because you're you're a little younger than me, did you get a chance to play on party poker before it left the American market back then?
3: Yeah, so this is this is how soft poker was when I was starting off. I was playing in college in 2006, and I dropped out, and I was playing on Bovada, Bodog, um, and they had 510 no limit, and I remember they made 1020 no limit, and I was already playing 510, so I just jumped on 1020 no limit, buy-in and it was really soft and I started crushing and I, I made an absurd amount of money just because because those games were so soft and I hadn't played on party, but I knew it was around, you know, and I, I, no, I had played a little, I just hadn't won, you know? So I I ended up, I had a bunch of money. I loaded it on party and I won a tournament for like $20,000 on there. And I, I started playing ten twenty no limit on party. And I thought the games were so much tougher (laughs) than the ones I played on Bodog huh. that I just quit. And I, I literally cashed out my account and I never played on there again. And it's so funny because that was literally in the midst of the golden days. Yeah. It was just, my games were so much softer that I just didn't even think of it. Um, and That's yeah.
2: interesting. Yeah. But I played Bodog uh, Bovada back then too, a bit. but party was the midstakes was just um, unbelievably juicy. And also you, you get rake back back then you could get like 35% on party. No, um, I
3: was, I was an idiot, honestly, back then. Like I just didn't know what I was doing. Like I, I just, I was yeah. just blast. you know what I mean? I was just smoking a ton of they weed had low college. cash.
2: Like 10, 20 was like their highest game at that time. Yeah, like,
3: They didn't even open one. No, I, I fully missed out on the party poker golden years, not because I wasn't around, but because I was like too high and Bodog was too soft.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian in the chat saying, he remembers you grinding cash back in the day on stars. I think he was grinding in the chief supernova lead. Is that true?
3: Yeah, no, I was, I think I got it three or four times. I was a really big grinder because basically what happened was I started off in 2006, I played online and then things got a lot tougher over time and I ended up playing live and then I grinded on, uh, I grinded on stars like after, basically what happened was I was playing in New York City home games, underground clubs, and I was at a club and a guy got shot and killed. And... I was like, what the fuck am I doing in my life? You know, I was like 20-something. I I had plenty of money. I just didn't want to play online anymore because the games had gotten tougher. So I immediately, like, went back home and thought of a way to just mass table. And I just started 24-tabling on PokerStars at, like, 1-2. And it was sick, yeah, because it was – I basically had the skill to, like, 24-table full ring. I wasn't that good, but the games were, weren't, weren't that tough, and I would just get a ton of rake back. And I remember I would I had this Gucci man. I don't know if you remember the rapper avatar. Um, and people would pay me off and say the most ridiculous things in chat. Joey Ingram always talks about how that avatar made me so much more money um, back in the day. But, yeah, no, the, I, I, that's why it's cool to see poker now. Bro. I've been through so many iterations of grinding. I've done so many different things and formats of grinding. One, because I'm just lazy, but two, because I, I – uh, just I I just like I, I adapt to whatever the the easiest basically route of, of you know what I mean cash is within poker and there's been a bunch of them
1: so when did you start uh playing DFS and was it as like a an edge seeking in Denver or was it like hey I like fantasy sports this is fun a nice area to kind of punt it off and get a sweat
3: it, it was it was basically the same thing with poker, honestly. Uh, I, I found poker, and I liked it, and I liked that I could make money, but it was interesting, and, and it had all these different factors that drew me in. DFS was the same way. I was just like, I've already made it in poker. You know, I have plenty of disposable income. This this game, I like football. I like playing DFS. So I would say, like, probably, like, I don't even know when it started, but, but maybe, like, eight years ago or something when I first started playing. It, basically, I had – you know, the same effect that I did in poker, I had for DFS, uh, where I just kind of got addicted to it. You know what I mean? The only difference is I, I lost money in the long run.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what what year was this when you started playing, like, decent volume? It's, it's
3: tough to say, but it's been a while because I can just, I can feel, honestly, the scars on, on me uh, physically. So I, I, 10 years would be my guess, but maybe not that long. You know, and then I started playing NFL pretty seriously for heavy volume like I would say the year before the pandemic or something. Um, and that's when it kind of escalated and I just, I just played a ton and and thought about it a ton. Um, and then I, I, I I guess I I don't even know if I stopped because NFL season hasn't started, but last season culminated with me, uh, doing whatever that last guest you had on was. And I, I, didn't, I didn't do it his way, but I just emailed them and I was just like, Hey, can you ban me for a year or whatever? Um, <laughs> really
1: you did yeah. the actual <laughs> self self exclude intentionally.
3: I, I did it intentionally. Cause I just had enough.
1: I felt like I had to stop. Um, yeah. Yeah. So did, like not to, not to press you on that, but you didn't feel like you had the self control not to play without being able to not log into the site.
3: Oh yeah. No, my, my self-control is horrific. Like it's, it's, it's one of my biggest flaws is like, I just, with with poker, I, that's why I've I've always found soft games in poker. You know what I mean? So if I always play soft games, I know them enough and I'm smart enough and I can do do enough to, to make a good amount of money. But when the games become tougher, if I'm hooked on them, I I just want to play them. You know what I mean? Like I I don't, the reason I don't have trouble with poker is, I don't care to play no limit tournaments. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't want to. There's no desire to or no limit cash games. But I want to play. You know, like the power sweep. I want to play the game changer or whatever. So, I just don't have the discipline to 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 ever restrain myself. Really, when I want to do that, uh, and it's it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's it gets messy. No, is, is
2: uh the compared to poker is the swingiest. Uh, gamble you're gonna find where you can still have an edge so like you could you could lose for years and be a winning player it's entirely it's entirely possible we're like in in poker that's not gonna happen like if you're yeah. looking after a year in cash game at least in my so
3: experience, i had i played big field mtt's that's what i've mostly played was the millionaire maker and obviously that makes it more sort of unlikely to actually figure out if i'm a winning player because of the variance um I got close, you know, a bunch of times, um, and that was one of the ways I would str- track sort of my overall like process versus results or whatever was how many times I'm actually putting myself in a spot, you know what I mean, where yeah. I feel like I played good and I did what I could, and it happened sometimes. And I got fucked, you know, in really brutal ways and like showdown slates, you know, where I needed like a yard from Travis Kelsey for like 200k stuff like that. Where if, maybe if that swings, I have a different story. Um, but ultimately, what I felt like was I came away from too many weeks just feeling like fuck. I made a mistake here. I made a mistake there. You know, and I should know better. And I don't feel like that in poker and the games I play ever. You know, um, anymore.
1: Did you play? Do you play DFS with like? A, a, are you friends with? Is it Goodnight Moon? I feel like you yeah. referenced him before. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So me and him came up in DFS together, basically. Do you know what I mean? Where like we like he was the person that I talked DFS with. We got into it at the same time, and it just became this passion. Um, and I never had that in poker. I came up in poker completely on my own online. So a huge part of that experience was honestly just having that. I never had that in poker. Having that shared camaraderie with someone, I would never even met the guy. We talked on the phone all the time, but we just had this bond because we both loved it. We both wanted to figure it out. We had the mutual interest. Uh but yeah, never, never, never came to fruition. He had some good years too. You know what I mean? I always felt like we were on the cusp, but could never, uh, break through. And yeah, just, uh, I don't know if maybe, maybe the story's not over. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, subs- I forget one time or, I mean, he's not very active, active on social, but he has like a blog that I tossed in my RSS reader. So like in season, I know he'll do like his picks against the spread and he, I always enjoy his takes. Like he always has like pretty sharp NFL takes. What.
2: What's your take on uh, the current state of online poker? Like, are you playing it all? Are you? Do you think like if a, a state opens it up, would you move there? That's nearby. Like, what's going on? Uh,
3: I'm I'm probably not a good person to ask honestly because I mostly play live and I mostly play uh, just you know on like stuff like ACR and and things like apps that are available. You know. Um, so I like legal poker is only available in a few States. You know what I mean? Vegas, Nevada, Michigan, Jersey, Vegas and Nevada are one state I realize. Um, but, uh, I, I don't play in any of those markets ever. So I don't really know. I've always just thought that it's kind of like, since they banned online poker in the U S. If people have been saying they're going to do it or oh, they're going to get it, it's such a big process and legislative process to even get one site or, or two sites, you know, in, in, different States, then you have to do that. And then you have to connect them through like a different, like I just don't have any hope for it ever coming back to what it was because of, because of that, all that shit. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't play it. I don't really know. So I, I can't tell you.
1: Hmm. Where, what state do you live in? Well,
3: I live in New York.
1: Okay gotcha and so you uh i mean you got you got a wife and kids and stuff right you do a lot of travel though these days for poker and now even poker content yeah i i have a
3: wife and a son and i've I've been traveling way too much i've also like that's also one of the things why i was really trying to get dfs to work was it was an at-home activity um and it's just so nice to be here you know get on my computer whatever i'm gonna do then go you know see my wife and kid versus being i was in vegas for like a month you know during the series uh but yeah, I, I, I need to find more ways to work from home. That's part of the reason I want to get in the content game is like, you can do shit. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. just, you, you know, you know, as well
1: as anyone. I, I legitimately haven't left my house in like eight days. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got I, a nice
3: little setup there. I can, it looks very comfortable.
1: <laughs> it is. It is. Were company. you, were you,
2: are you, or were you a GTO bro uh, when on the poker tables?
3: No, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't really know what GTO means. I'm not even like, I couldn't fully explain it. Um, it I, I was always a feel exploitative player. Um, I really, one of my, I'm interested, I'm not really, inter- I've never been interested in poker from like a game aspect. I was always more interested in it from a people aspect. So I always just tried to play the player, you know, and it was generally easy to do because the, when the players fucking, you know, Bobby, who like is a, 45 year old retired business guy from New Jersey, like it's not hard to play him. So I always try to do that, you know, and just play the players. And, you know, as, and basically what happened was as games got tougher in poker, I didn't, I just played softer games, you know, and that's been my career has been, uh, and I'm like, there's like, I feel like there's a stigma about that. I don't really care because I don't, I don't have like a huge passion for poker. You know what I mean? So to be a bum hunter, like it's, it's not, it's not great. I'm not proud of it by any means, but I think a lot of guys would care more that really. Care like loved poker you know and was were in it more for like the the passion than just the money like i have been
2: yeah bum, bum hunting has like uh a, a lot of like live it's very hard to do it's really more like an online heads up thing too and you remember the old the old software the bum hunting software where yeah have the player's data and seat you at the table as soon as they sat down that stuff may be a little questionable
3: yeah I, I, there, there's not so much like people will give me shit for bum hunting live i I, I'll do it. You know what I mean? Like I'll I'll play. But but the thing is with live, like you rarely ever bum hunt because if there's a live PLO game and you're at the casino and that's what you do for a living, like I didn't. How many 25, 50 PLO games am I going to get to play in? You know what I mean? Like I drive from here, so you know. It, it, but but what I'm trying to say is I'm 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 an edge seeker. I've always been an edge seeker in poker and more of a sort of a gambling addict than like a a crusher. You know what I mean? Like I would never. Never call myself that.
1: What is your what is like your your DFS process? Are you a hand builder? Are you using optimizers? Do you subscribe to sites? Do you aggregate projections? Are you using sims? What's the the will stack? The the, the
3: the problem is it's there's never been a process,
1: honestly. Like I'm a very <laughs> like free-flowing guy. I'm very spontaneous.
3: So what I started doing, and the reason I started playing heavier was during the pandemic season when they emptied out the arenas. I felt like the the league was a little bit more predictable that year. And there were some trends early in the season that were just very, like, very blatant. Um, And one of them was, like, Tennessee was a really good offense, but they only had, like, three players that would ever go off. And the Vikings were in a similar boat. So I would just make these rules that year where I would just put like one of Jefferson, Phelan, or Cook in every lineup. You know what I mean? And one of Henry, Corey Davis, or A.J. Brown in every lineup. Because I knew there was such a good chance in proportion to how they were owned that I would, you know what I mean? And I would make a rule like that. And that would be like half my lineup. You know what I mean, and that would be echoed by things I saw on film. Basically, I would watch every, my my whole process was I would watch every game basically. Wow,
1: you had your hand in the dirt. I was beyond the
3: dirt. I was in Game Pass. You know, I was going through games. I was looking at like PFF charts to line up. You know, what DB like it was. It was a ridiculous process. But that pandemic year, I felt like what happened was everybody was shifting more towards like data and analytics and projections. And what was happening on the field wasn't really lining up with that. And I could get an edge from that. But it, it's just too messy. There's, and, there's and, and the tech is too good and the people are too smart. And I, you know, it was it was it was too good to be true.
2: <laughs> I just hear it's interesting how two people can go two different directions where we have a very similar background. I started a little earlier than you and I was playing online and um excuse me, uh the river boats around here in Illinois outside Chicago. And so I played a lot, you know, that's all back then. It was mainly live poker. Everyone, you know, loved playing live poker with like uh, the pre-Moneymaker, early Moneymaker days. And I was a huge sports fan and uh, watched all the games and all the sports. And after playing millions of hands of poker and gambling eventually so much in, on, on sports teams, I could care less about fandom. And uh, I cannot stand going to a poker room and having to look at, at those idiots play poker, and it's so annoying. I just, I just refuse to do it. <laughs> like I'm not going to play poker live. I can't, I can't handle it. So it's interesting to hear that, like you're still, you're still doing all that.
3: Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing poker by choice uh, anymore. It just, just because I also, I've played poker for so long, I don't really know anybody. You know what I mean? That's played poker as long as I have outside of like Ike Haxton or some like extreme outlier that like loves and still is happy to play poker. You know what I mean? Most of my friends have gotten out of poker. They're doing other things. I don't think it's, it's a super sustainable or rewarding long-term career, unless you have a really good setup with it. You know what I mean? Like my setup is not good with it. Going to have to play live PLO to make a living with a family is not, (laughs) it's not it. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I I don't, I don't, I, I, I also feel very, I, I feel, I feel like this. I feel very grateful to be able to play poker because it's a really, it's a really fun way to make a living and it's way more exciting and interesting than a vast majority of other professions, but uh, I, I want to do other shit.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of like other shit and with the content, I feel like you we're in, like, a spot where I was at, too, where for a while I was just making, like, comedy videos and posting them on Twitter, and people dug them. But then you're always like, shit, like, how do you ever, like, make money off of this, like, doing fantasy comedy or poker comedy? Luckily, you get, like, the gig with Poker Go this year that I'm that I'm sure is helping. But how do you think about that, of, like, making the content that is still interesting and fun to you, but also making it justifiable to spend time doing that so you can make some money on it?
3: Yeah, it's 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 been really confusing honestly like i started doing the tough combos and i noticed people like them and after a certain point i did want to start making money on them because not because i like i want money but i, I need money for life and expenses you know what i mean yeah, and you I'm don't like, have to explain I'm, that part yeah <laughs> like i'm doing i'm doing these you know videos and people like them but honestly once that happened there was a shift that sort of happened yep. that I, I feel like I, I i haven't figured it out really because what made the Tough combos so good was that I was doing them just out of the pure desire and and burning drive to just do it. Once money becomes a factor, I really feel like it just dilutes the whole process of everything. And that's been really confusing because I, I really like to do things because I like them. You know, I like doing them. They feel good. And when you start to make your goal more to make money, then I feel like, I haven't figured it out, honestly. It's been really confusing, and I'm trying to because I'd, I'd much rather make money through this, through being at home, and and doing whatever videos or whatever, you know what I mean? Like then playing poker at this point in my life, but I also I just haven't figured out like how to do it or the blueprint. I'm kind of just experimenting, and obviously I'm I'm getting plenty of opportunities, and but it, yeah, it, 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 it's it, it's messy. You know what I mean? I feel like I haven't. I, I want to be able to make the tough combos, but like for money, basically, and I don't know how to do that.
1: And I do think you were dealing with some of those dynamics too, right? Where part of what makes the tough combos good is you're just like blasting off from the hip. You're not afraid to call anyone out. And then all of a sudden, once you take sponsorship money, and trust me, I've been in this spot too. And then it's like, well, you can't, you know, this person works with PokerGo, you can't call them out. Otherwise they're going to come being like, why are you doing that? Like it does complicate things necessarily.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, it's the position and the public perception of you does have a huge impact on what you are able to put out to them. Like, when I was just grinding and nobody knew who I was and I'd never done anything paid in my life and I, I fired off at someone, it was very different than after doing a big thing with poker go, you know what I mean, or whatever. Um, it just looks different and it changes the dynamic. And you also just get much more hate. I never used to got, get hate before from people. Like I did this interview with Poker Go where I was literally, it was a tough conversation with Hellmuth. Um, and I asked him in the interview, I said, One of the questions was, um, I know you've been very adamant there are no other women in your life, Phil. Are there there any other men? And he just looked at me and he was like, what? And I was like, you know, you spend a lot of time with Chamath or whatever. And like, it was just an interview. I sat with him for five minutes. I thought it was pretty funny. I was, you know, mostly happy about that. And then afterwards, this guy, J-Mo, who's, like, one of the oldest school poker players, like, the richest, most successful people, just, like, quote tweets it and is like, oh, look at this fucking paid shill, like, taking money for, like, you know what I mean? I'm like, dude, I sat down with him. I didn't know, like, he's talking about, like, because Helmuth has shilled some scams or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And his response was so angry and people were, like, liking it. And I was just like, man, I have crossed over into this different world where, like, uh, you know, I, I I don't know how to exist in it, really, is the truth.
1: Well, it's, I mean, even stuff like when we were going to have J-Mac on a couple of weeks ago, there were people are like, don't give that guy a platform. Like he, you know, he doesn't have a lot of fans and it's like, there is a way to like do content where you still maintain your integrity as a host or a content creator. It also have an interesting guest that people are interested in that topic. It's like, to be like, you can't do a show with Phil Hellmuth because Phil has done, you know, s- you know, sketchy things when he's still one of the biggest names in poker seems very unfair to you.
3: <laughs> no, and, and it was. And the and part of the problem is though, that I just like, I. I take in a lot what people say yeah. and I know that, I know that seems like probably people are surprised because of the videos I make or whatever, but, but I, people's opinions have a huge impact on me. I wish they didn't to the extent, you know, that they do. So I, I think a big part of now that I'm on this side where I'm getting a lot more negative feedback is I just need to accept it. You know what I mean? Um, and, and learn to roll with it because the truth is there's, there's negative feedback. I've gotten plenty of negative feedback where like I've done a commentary stream or something and someone's been like, Hey, you did ABC. Like, and that kind of sucked, you know what I mean? And then 20 people liked it and I went back and listened and I kind of did, you know, and I made myself better. But then there's also for that, there's 20 people like JMO that are saying something that doesn't even make sense. And it's just going to fuck you up and make you more confused if you actually take it as, as like a, you know, a good constructive criticism or whatever.
2: That's true. He's, He's pretty harsh though. Sometimes like in, just in general, I think with his tweets, I would say, but, um, I mean, most people are do nothing losers. So like to get like the get and like it, it it makes them feel good to, you know, makes them feel righteous to point, you know, point something out about someone who made a piece of content so they could feel good, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah oh, you did that one thing that I can now point out, make myself feel good, even though, you know, I don't contribute much, if anything.
3: Well, I think that's also you ask about one of the biggest reasons for poker being like vlogging. I, I think the biggest reason for the growth and the explosion of poker that people don't attribute or talk about is that I think as a society, we are m- more sort of in worse mental and emotional states than we've ever been in our kind of lives. And we're looking for bigger escapes. And poker is a bigger escape than it than a lot of other things um and it and i felt this way about ufc too i saw a big ufc fight in vegas and the energy was just crazy and these guys are just in this ring in there to kill each other you know like they're just there's no really there's not too many limitations they're just punching each other as much as possible choking each other till one goes cold and the crowd is like on the edge of their seats and i just feel like that, that the reason i bring this up is because there's i just feel like people are struggling a lot and are fe- are dealing with a lot of negative emotions and feelings, and that's what's also in part drawing people to things like poker and UFC. Not that they're bad things, but they're just the- they're they're they've been around forever, but they're just like a kind of increased level of escape from like a more less gambling induced activity, you know, or like sort of extreme activity, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And I think too, like by the nature of the kind of content you do, when you have hot takes or you take big stands or you give tough combos, like it's naturally going to be polarizing, right? And so there's going to be the reason, the people it resonates with, it's going to really resonate with, and the people who don't like it, they're going to really not like it. And so that's also like a weird dynamic of doing content like that is like, you're going to have to live in the extremes. And like you said, like the mental aspect of that can be really tough. I even remember when I was doing, um, as man's like the poker night in America, uh, broadcasting, I did some of those with Doug Polk and like reading the chat and it was like brutal. Some people are like, Oh, no one's done like a comedy, like full on hosting thing like this. They loved it. And then other people were like, this isn't funny. I fucking hate it. And it was just like, it was hard to process all of that information. Um, you know, when you're the one there in the thick of it.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, I, I got to try to take it more with a grain of salt. Um, but what I miss is that like the, like, I felt like when, when I was doing the tough combos, I was kind of speaking from the people. You know, and now I'm speaking to the people and I, I, I don't, I don't like that shift. You know what I mean? It's, 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 uh, it doesn't, doesn't feel good. And it, and, and, and it makes me when I was used to with the tough combos, just want, I just fire off the hip. Now yeah. I'm, you know, much more, like much more gun
1: shy, uh, yeah. than, than I was, but I'm, I'm figuring it out. You know, we all you do are. You figure it out. Uh, I do have to, so the chat, everyone wants to ask like what's going on. I clearly you're a pacer, but will you explain what's going on? Because the chat can't stop stop talking about you walking around this entire interview.
3: Yeah. So I, I like to, I'm like a huge pacer. I do, uh, I, I'm kind of like on my feet when I'm doing most of the things. Like when I'm at my house, I'm, I'm playing poker on my iPad and like I, I can't do one thing at once. So I started sitting in this interview and then I just kind of started pacing <laughs> and I haven't stopped. Um, it's kind of like a nervous tick slash just, I don't know. I, I just feel, I feel more like when I talk, to- I, I, when I talk a lot, I like to walk around basically. Um, and I figured maybe this would be a safe place for it. You. you know, home isn't a safe place. My wife usually prefers when I sit down, but you know, I can sit down if, that, if the chat would prefer that.
1: No, you don't. You don't have to cater to the chat. I just sometimes I have to uh, call out what everyone's what everyone's talking about. Uh, uh, speaking on that front, just because I get to ask questions that I'm interested in, maybe other people aren't. The, the sausage get made on the on the tough combos. Are you um, are you bullet pointing those? Are those one take? Are those multiple takes? Obviously, they come across very natural, but I'm always curious with how that sausage gets made yeah that's another
3: another issue with them is that they they the best ones are always natural you know yeah. it's always just how you're feeling in the spur of the moment and then you catch the most kind of the whatever the vibe or the feeling is and uh now because i'm 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 worried about like getting canceled and stuff you know like it's just it's just the sausage yeah the sausage is not the, basically what, what it is is the sausage isn't getting made anymore you know what i mean like the way i was making the sausage was this this formula that i can't get back to because of my current situation so no the best ones are always spur of the moment uh and i think you can tell that you know i always know as my as they've gone on like someone will be like damn like how many times did you rehearse this you know in a later one then i was like fuck like seven times
1: you know and i was
3: like that's why (laughs) that's why it wasn't as good so it's uh yeah We, we i gotta i gotta get back to the to the meat and potatoes
1: Yeah. It seems like that's why you, I, you were doing a bunch of spaces. And now when I kind of see your energy and like your wave, like I feel like you are a perfect fit for spaces. You're off doing other things. You're tapping into conversations. You don't have to be like fully engaged necessarily at all times.
3: No. Yeah. That this is, I like to multitask. This is what I'm good at is like doing a lot of things at once. So I like to talk a lot, but I I don't just want to be talking. You know what I mean? Like, I like to be like, maybe like looking at, you know, like a fantasy update or something. Um, so I'm, I'm never doing one thing at once. Like my ADD is crazy. And spaces are perfect for that because you could be like interviewing, you know, you, you don't know who like Lex Veldhouse comes on, you know. Yeah. And now I'm just like kind of like listening to him, but also kind of like, you know, looking at like McColl Hardman, like, you know, numbers or something on the side. And, and he can talk for a while. And yeah, I'm, I'm a huge multitasker. I'm a huge, really bad ADD. And these are just ways like what you're seeing when I'm walking is like my ADD kind of manifesting probably. That could be an option
2: for like your content career is if Elon kind of expands the video section of Twitter <laughs> yeah. of, uh, you know, if you can monetize spaces mm-hmm. and then they maybe has a video section like that's like YouTube, but on your Twitter audience can just go right to that tab. And then those conversations can be over there, plus any sort of tweet ads that they're doing. Obviously, they're doing that now. Um, it's possible for your following. You probably could make a decent amount of money. Who knows?
3: Yeah. So it's funny because I've been giving Elon a lot of shit on Twitter and I I think it's deserved. Like, I think he's just, I just, I just really, I don't give a lot of people shit, but, but he's, he's obviously in everyone's face. And I just feel like a lot of the decisions he's made recently and the things he said, I just don't like. So I've been giving him shit. But when I think about the way he's trying to take Twitter, it's really exciting because I haven't been able to transfer any of my content onto Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. So if he could do that work for me, that would be (laughs) fucking amazing. Um, and just make this into like a, all those things that would be sick. Yeah.
1: Well, that is like, that's the fear I get. And I mean, like I've tried to diversify the the platform stuff, just knowing like, yeah, if, if Elon runs it into the ground, then you're like really exposed to not having stuff everywhere. But I do think like you should, like, this is me giving you unsolicited advice, like try to build up that same like energy and voice on YouTube or even like the same style show you did for poker. Go, you do that on your own. Maybe you get a little producer, invest a little bit of money into it. But like, there's clearly an audience for what you're doing. I think you trying to own that on a non-Twitter platform would be beneficial.
3: Yeah, no, I I think also like I, with the spaces, we had some really good ones, you know, like like, like some of them ended where I just had gotten like a mix of really interesting interviews with people that are in the poker world and then also really random call-ins you know, where it was just hilarious interactions with randoms. Um, Those things kind of fell apart. But, but what I, what I said earlier, once there's a big event in poker again, you know, they will, they will form back up and there'll be a huge, this is what, this is what happens is like, there's these big coming togethers. And I I do want to find a way to cash in more on that because it's, it's I think it's a win-win when I do something like that. It's entertaining for the people that are in there. And I'm making money, you know what I mean? And that, that's ultimately where I want the the direction to go, but it's tricky.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You gotta get getting that following. It's it's so efficient the content market now, like compared to you know, it's like Booker and trying to be a pro pro poker player in like twenty fifteen or fourteen or something. Like it's a lot harder than it used to be to to get a following. And we had uh I'm not sure if you remember, you know, whistles go woo professional DFS player. We've had him on the show at least once, probably actually twice. Yeah. And he was trying to start his own site. And like, he's got to give away his stuff just to get just to get followers, you know, and many consider, you know, top top three ranked player, I guess, in DFS, something like that. And so it's hard to get anyone to, to even like your tweets nowadays, much less, you know, a career launched.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's a competitive market too. DFS like there's a lot of people trying to get into the space that are in the space already. You know, like mm-hmm. but the nice thing about poker is truthfully like there's not a it's it, it's a it's it's a big industry compared to DFS, but there's not a lot of people you know like that are like there's 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 let me put it this way there's not a lot of people that are doing what I'm doing whatever that is. Which is, which is one of the nice things I find is that, like, it's, it's, it makes it easier and more comfortable because I don't have to compete with a ton of other people, you know? Um, and I like that. Uh, yeah. But but the toughest part is just finding a way to monetize it because it, it just gets messy, you know?
2: I mean, I would say what you've already done is the toughest part, getting I, – I, I don't know how many followers you have, but, like – getting, getting a decent amount of followers on any major platform is not, isn't actually, it's an achievement. I know that sounds stupid, but it really, it's really hard to do because you could, you could just see, I don't know if you guys see like someone saying, Hey, someone responds to you and you look at their profile and they're like, here's my podcast. And they have like 27 followers. It's like, no one's, you know how hard it's going to be to get people to listen to your podcast, pal, like just getting to that level, you know, 20,000 Twitter followers or YouTube subs or whatever you know, yeah. I, I yeah.
3: also just like, I don't, I don't, I don't like shilling myself, you know? Yeah. Who does? I, I, no, I know. I, I know. It's, it's a, uh, you know, but uh, it, it's, it's just this weird dynamic where if, if I, you know, I, I want to, I want to do stuff like Twitter spaces when I feel like I do stuff like that and it's actually really good and people enjoy it. It makes me feel good. It's a win-win for everyone. But, but a lot of the stuff that I do now just feels more forced, you know, like it feels like I'm doing it for money more so than just because I want to. And I feel like that also ends up showing in the result too. And I want to find more of a way to, I think it's part of just figuring out different things, you know, um, like the poker go one, when we got towards the main event, we were doing the show every day at noon and we got like, I think up to like maybe 8,000 congruence or something at one point. And it just felt really good. Cause it felt, you know what I mean? It, it was like, a, it was like everything was coming together, but a lot of times I'm just like, now when I'm doing this stuff. Like I'm fuck, I'm like here to make money, you know? And it just doesn't, and I'm not making money is the thing, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, yeah. I gotta I gotta figure that out. I know this isn't a therapy session for that. I'm sorry yeah. to drop all this on you guys, but uh
2: that's that definitely in your in your head though. But like we've talked about very similar things, like asking for likes, you know, we like we never do that, we probably should, and all you know, all the sorts like some of it though, you can kind of like get it like trick yourself. Like I, I find now that the thumbnails on YouTube are kind of fun. And I like look at Pete's or like Levitans and they're doing these silly faces, but it's kind of funny. Like, it's like, you know, they know that it's like the GTO of YouTube analytics that you have to do this stupid looking face. And, but they're kind of competing. <laughs> like almost even though but, me, unwittingly for the dumbest. But you guys aren't, you guys no aren't
3: trying to like, like you guys aren't trying to make this like make money off this show. Are you?
1: Well maybe eventually <laughs> be nice I I will say like just the amount like now that I have the opportunity cost of like having a kid and like stretch really thin that I like do really have to think of like am I making money with the things I'm spending my time on and so like well, yeah well, think, well let me let me ask brick yeah.
3: then because I, maybe your your, your situations it, are different <laughs> Rick are you trying to make money off this show N-
1: no but yeah uh,
2: but, but but why like is to, that? why to, why like, why,
3: help why what's the main reason behind that? That w- that we that we don't want to make money off the show. No, that you don't want to make money, but Pete does.
2: Oh, uh, because it's not my full time job. I
3: uh... yeah, because you don't need it as much, right? Right. I think I think that's the conundrum that that Pete probably shares more with me is is it's fun to do these things and do what you like, but when you have to do them for money, it creates more of a pressure um, that that I don't like. And I'm I'm I, like I, I I'm just trying to figure that out and try to figure out how to merge those. I don't know how you feel about that, Pete, because I know you do. I mean, you do a lot of content. I watch like your Best ball streams and it seems like you really enjoy what you're doing you know what i mean like it seems like you enjoy them so i would say like you maybe it's tiring but but you generally seem like you do things that you like at least you know what i mean oh
1: for sure for sure i don't i don't do anything that's like a a chore uh but like to your point will like with the tough combos i feel like it's actually similar with lulz where like we could get a sponsorship with the dfs site there have we've been reached out to but it's like it's also fun to be able to blast off from the hip call spades to spades be like this site i just put out a shitty product or these guys are hiring you know uh the wrong people like you start to be like well now i can't say anything about excite because they're our sponsor like it is a little freeing the way we do this show specifically to not have to really censor ourselves at all right no
3: i think you guys do a great job too like the fact that you've even had these bigger kind of like scandals or whatever on it's such a change of pace from dfs because so many of the shows are just about like strategy you know like to even have that side of of the of the world you 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 guys are doing a good job of of uh balancing
1: yeah no i appreciate that um yeah i mean you know it's it's perfect like the reason like my underdog deals work is because it's so like i legitimately love streaming best ball drafts and then i have the perfect partner to compensate me for something that i love doing so that's it's like could you find a perfectly harmonious sponsor for lulls. I don't know if that's a DFS site specifically. It's like, you kind of even want like an ancillary outside brand. Who's like, Hey, there's a bunch of people that have disposable income that would maybe buy our stuff, but it doesn't also compromise our content.
3: Yeah, I know the chat is like what the fuck is going on? This guy was like pacing around for hours like he's he's I, this guy's a poker player, he's like now okay. going into the the inner workings of like social media content growth. The reason I'm 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 so interested in these things is just because like I'm just getting into this world and I don't I don't like talk to any, you know what I mean, like other people yeah. that are doing it basically. Um Levitan was one of the first people that I I talked to in the DFS world just cuz we know each other from poker. But it's interesting, yeah, and I think you guys do a great job. And honestly, like at the end of the day, you put out a good a good product. People, people, you know what I mean? Like people really enjoy it. Um, Seeing seeing like five hundred people in your best ball drafts, like it's fun. You know what I mean? Like it's it's I like I like really like that part of it where I feel like the uh, at the end of the day, you can always if if you have a lot of people watching and into what you're doing, like you have to be doing something
1: right. Yeah, and it is it's, it's tough to find that because sometimes it can like swing too far in the other direction. Right. Where I, like, I like to call it like toxic positivity where it's just like, everyone's aggressively nice to each other. You're like, this is, it's actually how things are going down. I think when you're having fun, that eases it. It seems like in poker, like I don't even see a lot of toxic positivity. It's just more just like toxicity with, with well, everything. Well, is, that, is that a mischaracterization? Yeah.
3: No, but that's the problem too, is like my brand is like very toxic. You know, that's why I have <laughs> yeah. all these things is like, I didn't come into <laughs> poker, like doing like coaching or like whole like yoga sessions, you know, like I, I came in just shitting on people for things that annoyed me and I want to keep doing it, you know, but it, it's, it's, it's tricky. That's basically the crux of my uh, dilemma.
2: Uh, something we talk about on this show is just kind of, I feel like people of like, let's say 35 or older or something like that. We were kind of taught like these principles of like profit is, there's profits there's got to be some motive behind it profits evil kind of commie principles honestly i know i've said this on the show you might not agree with me but like i i feel like that's bullshit like it's okay to to have advertise some product uh on your show like even though we don't do it i'm totally fine with somebody else doing it but i just have this kind of like upbringing or something that holds me back from really just being okay with that when there's really, uh, there's really nothing wrong with this voluntary. No,
3: you, you, you hit the nail on the head, honestly, like I'm 36 and I have this disconnect where I hate the idea of like being a content creator because it feels like it's something you do for money you know? Mm -hmm. And my morals, like the way I was raised was like, no, you, you follow, you know, like you, you, you can do both, you know, you don't have to be like a commie. Like you said, like there's nothing wrong with wanting to get money and it does a lot of good things, but I definitely relate to what you're saying. I was raised that way. Um, and, and I feel like I, it's, it's held me back just in terms of being freer or whatever, in terms of just, you know, trying to make more money.
2: Yeah. And it doesn't make much sense. Like you have an audience, you know, not you, just the general you have an audience that this company would like to put their product in front of. And like and like the same people who like even us who will shame ourselves, they'll like listen to, you know, uh, you know, 15 minutes of Joe Rogan ads and not even think like, oh, this guy's making hundreds of millions of dollars and he's still selling ads. What the fuck? You know, like yeah. or like or like you'll watch a TV show and like, oh, here's the commercial break. But you don't think like the players are bad. Like you know, how could the players allow these advertisements on their sites? And like you don't care about it. But like in the yeah. content world, you think yeah. like you're a sellout when you're really not. Even with super chats too, when super chats first started coming around, I was like, oh, gross. I would never ask someone for five dollars or accept five dollars. Yeah, like, I'm a man, you know, like or whatever this this thing is. But like you look at these young guys, they don't give a shit, and they shouldn't. Like this is yeah. just it's just a completely no, different
3: world they're built differently. The young gunners, like the content world guys, they're like, like they have like a, a shell of armor about it where they, they do, uh, you know, Us older guys, we gotta, yeah, we gotta stick together. Cause we definitely, <laughs> I, I can just tell that you came from the same type of like, you know, money is bad type of thing. Like we should, you know, and it, yeah, it's fucked. It's fucked. It, it's fine for you because you, you overcame it, you you know, but, but for me, I'm still suffering.
1: Yeah. Why and there's I'm also gonna... like the element too. like for, for my start, like, My first time doing content was all live stage improv performances, doing hundreds of them for no money. I did eventually start getting paid, like doing some touring company, but you have, it's like, I'm doing art. I'm doing it for free. I don't deserve to make any money for it. Like I'm cutting my teeth. That's like, the feel and that mentality, certainly bled over to me when I started doing online content. Now that I do it full time and I got rid of my day job, I think totally differently about it. And I'm far less shameless of, you know, promoting, become a YouTube member. If you want to watch the private stream tonight with Chess Liam, like I've I'm fine giving those plugs because now it is how I make a living. But it it was hard to get past that hang up.
3: It's interesting that you did improv. Like it it, it makes sense. Like I was so I was doing the um, I did the World Series main event commentary this year um, with Lon McCarron and Maria Ho and I've done live streams. And honestly, I I mean, I feel like they're pretty easy and natural to me because I just like to talk. Um, So I never have a problem filling the silence for the most part. But then there's also a lot of talk at the table, you know. Um, so I can just blend in and have like a six or seven hour stream. But like Lon, who I worked with, he's just like a classic announcer. You know, like he has these great intro lines. And it's just like World Series of Poker, you know, and he captivates you. Yeah. But he doesn't have the same sort of, you know, like the ability to just go and go and riff. And it's interesting you said you did improv. I feel like that is a, is a common a skill set for people that are making content. Now it's just the ability to kind of go you know what i mean and and for long periods of time um not just in the bedroom
1: <laughs> yeah L- like it break over there and there, there's also different styles to it because you're talking about traditional broadcasters. I did uh, XM radio this year for the first time, five days a week in season. I'm going to be hopping back on here soon too. And like, I definitely brought more of like an improv podcast casual thing, but then the way those are structured and you have your outs and your ad reads and your, you know, tighter segment blocks, it was like hard, but I kind of like trying to fit my vibe into that existing thing in the same way you fought fit your kind of like loose spaces tough combo vibe into like traditional world series of poker companion broadcasts.
3: Yeah. And one of the things I had trouble with as the world series was going on was I started doing the show. I was just like, I'm going to make fun of people. I'm going to be trying to be funny. And it was fine. But that's like my go-to. But then as it went on, I was like, wait, like there's like 8,500 people watching this. Like I shouldn't just be like, like making fun of euros. You know what I mean? Like I should be more tapped into the audience and what they want. So, so finding that balance is if that's honestly one of the most fun things is, is, trying to figure out what the audience wants while you're doing it live. I don't know how much you end yeah. up doing that. Obviously on a podcast like this, we're just talking, you know, but I find that when I was doing, uh, you know, the poker, the, I'm very, uh, I'm very curious in what, what, the, what the viewers are liking about it. You know what they're not liking, um, which probably could, could be a fault to some extent, but it's also like a, f- a fun challenge as part of those, those bigger streams. Like when I was doing uh, the, the live at the bike streams, initially, the chat was going crazy. And like the first time I, I had this amazing session where like Benny Blanco came in the chat and I, I I didn't know who he was or remember, but someone told me to shout him out. So I was like, Benny Blanco in the chat, like the guy who famously licked peanut butter off of Little Dickie's balls on national TV, <laughs> um, just in the middle of the stream, you know, like this massive stream with Phil Hummuth or someone on it. And like, you know, it, he, he did that, but he's also like a 33 time Grammy winner or something, you know, and 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 just hitting like, I feel like there's this like perfect thing you get to when you're performing, where you have the audience feedback in there. I don't know. Do you, do you feel that at all with the stuff you do or not really?
1: I, yeah, definitely. I think it is hard to like the element <laughs> your are doesn't
3: of, sound like you do.
1: I mean, no, I, I sympathize with some of that because I care what people say. I care what kind of stuff people want, but I also think like, if you are constantly catering to them, like one thing I hate is when people like content creators put on Twitter, like, what do you want to see me make for my next video or whatever? And it's just like, just make what's fucking interesting to you. Like, but that also leads me to having a lot of videos and stuff that bombs because I'm only making stuff that's interesting (laughs) to me.
3: (laughs) No, it's a balance where you want to, you want to keep the the audience happy, but you also like, don't want to let every comment sway your decision-making prowess, which I I can be a, you know, I could yeah, I can get something in there.
1: What was the feedback on like your World Series of Poker? Like you had our buddy Adam Levitan on. I assume like a lot of poker people weren't familiar with him. Like that was just a conversation you knew would be a fun one, interesting guest. Like, how how is that kind of stuff perceived?
3: So what's weird is like when when I was doing my stuff on Twitter, I got a ton of positive feedback, you know, on the bigger videos. On the poker go stuff, I haven't gotten like, you know what I mean? The comments, a lot, not a lot of people comment. Um, the people basically I would put it like this. The feedback that I got in person was really good. Um, The feedback that I got online for the, for the stuff I did over the summer wasn't, wasn't great. And honestly, I got a lot of negative feedback, which is something I haven't been used to. Um, There was this hand in the main event where Richard Seymour has pocket Kings and Stephen Chidwick rips in like a cold four bet shove with pocket Queens. Um, And I called it and I during the hand, I'm like, this is the biggest slow roll I've ever seen. (laughs) And because in the moment, I was just like, holy shit, like, how is he not snapped? It was just the spot where in my mind, you're not supposed to do this as an announcer. But as a poker player, you've been in the spot, like, it's obviously just the easiest call ever. And, And I just let my thoughts out loud and said, and then I got the the video got clipped and put on YouTube and Twitter and everybody was just like, Oh my God, like, how is this guy, this guy's an amateur. It's a real decision in the main event. Like Phil Helmuth quote tweeted and said, this is not a slow roll. You know, like it was, it was the first time I like made like kind of like a, a bigger boo boo, you know, or whatever. And in my mind, it wasn't even that, but uh, there was a lot more stuff like that this summer. And I think a big part of it is just my audience is much bigger now than it ever has been. You know, I'm doing those, that was, that was from main event commentary before it was much more like people that follow me, you know, like, uh, and it's just I'm going to have wider range of of opinions with a lot more people watching. Yeah.
2: Pete, what's that site where you can bri- broadcast uh, the professional games? Pro- oh, prof- the
1: um, the watch playback.
2: Watch playback. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with this, uh, Will, but it's you can you can announce like or just podcast over live sporting events through this this app or website, and your fan and your fans or whatever you want to call it, your followers can go and listen to you, and we talk about it quite a bit, where just like the old world of ESPN and sports coverage, poker coverage, although I have kind of always enjoyed the poker coverage, it's just just over now, and it's not fun, and I don't want to hear an ex-NFL linebacker, you know, talk about dumb cliches for three hours in an NFL game. I just can't listen to it anymore, you know? I could do Red Zone. That's a new product, but I would love to hear – you know, Pete and somebody funny, whatever, uh, doing a Monday night game, uh, or whoever, uh, you know, your favorite podcaster is much more than any of these legacy media options that we currently get.
3: Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I think there's some things that are just so like grandfathered in and sort of industry standard that they never get questioned or pushed. And it takes like, it's really hard to move these type of pillars that are in place. Like all these guys that do commentary are NFL players. You know what I mean? And a lot of them are really great at their job, but there's no, you never see like a streamer, you know, do an NFL game. It it is a cool thought just, just for the more modern audience, like the younger people or whatever, you know, to have that. Yeah. That's actually a really interesting concept. The idea of going back or, or just adding like a, that voice, you know, to those things instead of the, or with a Kevin Harlan too, you know, what I'd be really interested to see is both worlds where you have like a, you know, like a Tony Romo or a Kevin Harlan, and then you have a Pete or you have a whoever, you know what I mean? That would be a really interesting combination of those things. But yeah, it's just not done. And I feel like these things uh, take a long time and sometimes never happen, you know, the potential transitions. um, And NFL is just a great product too, you know what I mean? It's not like they're looking for, part of the reason I got the job at the bike was, you know, they were really struggling to get views, you know, like,
1: yeah. I, I do think things are changing, though. You even see like a legacy media site like ESPN almost like blow up their entire model to bring in Pat McAfee to do these kind of like high energy, more casual type like podcasting blocks because they know that's the way things are moving. They have and to. so I, They, they yeah. have to. So like even though it still might be a slow thing, I do think they're waking up and realizing like this drill down niche stuff, different format, like what they've been doing is not going to continue to work.
3: Well, I think I, Brett Coleman made a really good video about this. He does NFL breakdowns. He talked yeah. about why why they're doing all these layoffs and stuff. And I think that the interesting thing is that like used to be, if you were if you were a content creator, like if you wanted to be a reporter, you wanted to do sports coverage, you went to ESPN. You know what I mean? And you tried to get a job with them. Now they come to you. You don't need them anymore. To do your content, to do your videos, and that's what Pat did, and they came to him, and they're paying him, and I think that's going to happen more and more is people building up their individual brands, and then the bigger companies sniping them because it doesn't make sense to go the other way around. Why would you start on the ground floor with ESPN if you could build it up yourself and own everything yourself and then have them buy you when you're huge, um, which is a, is a route that like Pat McAfee took, you know that I don't think it was available you know, earlier on before all the social media stuff became so present.
2: It, it, copyright yep. and IP law is an issue too with that sort of thing where you know you would you could just stream the game and, and announce it on your YouTube channel, but you get taken down immediately for illegal illegally Ill- 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 streaming whatever. So that's kind of a problem where I think if if it was more open source, um, then Pat McAfee wouldn't even need ESPN theory you know or, or someone like him maybe he would take the money
3: yeah it's also one of the reasons i'm an idiot like i should be doing content on my own you know i shouldn't in, in a theory be going to poker go as i'm like growing my brand i should do it as on my own but the problem is like i'm like the people that went to espn in 1980 to get a job like i just don't know how to use technology properly enough you know what i mean and that's what's giving all these people an advantage it's like you said it's, it's copyright things too like brett coleman can just take great clips of all 22 and do really interesting reviews that are better than a lot of the people that are working for networks you know what i mean and just put it out on youtube and people can see that and get that content i think that's really changed the game of of the way it's working i think we're going to see more and more of that where people are building their own brands themselves and then getting plucked by the bigger companies because it's just tough to compete with that if you're working within their system
2: yeah well you never you never know i'll just say you never know but the technology can change right pete uh, and who knows what can what could be next? So there might be options. Sorry, Pete, I cut you off. Go ahead.
1: No, no. I I did just want to say the I know you can't probably see the chat with your setup, Will, but uh, Tony here says, tell Will the uh, World Series commentary shows were good. Um, Definitely people who uh, enjoyed what you were doing and I was glad we could uh, chop it up a little bit today, man.
3: Yeah. Thank you guys. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I kind of am still like uh, decompressing from the whole World Series. It was a crazy month of just doing commentary and shows. So, I you guys are like the first people that I've like had a chance to talk to about it. Um, so this has been like a great uh decompression therapy session for me. I appreciate that. I Appreciate the chat for uh yeah hanging around for that.
1: Yeah, man. This nice. was good. Let us keep us posted with what you're working on. And uh yeah, maybe we can do a best ball stream or you can come uh tilt uh some DFS with me on on stream in season as well.
3: No, I definitely want to get more into the DFS streets of content. You know, Tom and I did do a podcast one year. Ooh, um, okay. Lost we to just,
1: the sands of time. No, it's,
3: I still have the recordings. Uh, we'd okay. send it, we sent it to like 10 people or something. it just be like a game player by player breakdown. Uh, maybe I'll give you guys a little sneak copy. See what you think, you know?
1: Yeah. Love it. Um, all right guys, I have to get running. Thank you for Will for joining us. Will, where can people find you? Obviously Twitter, you do got that YouTube account. Where's the best way to, to boost those followers right now?
3: Um, I have the YouTube account, but I don't really know what to do with it. Um, twitter just dankness three will jaffe yeah appreciate you guys uh hope you hope you found this interesting and yeah i did i did really enjoy talking with you guys about all this stuff it's 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 i just don't have these conversations a lot uh with people and uh appreciate the time and yeah thank
1: you guys of course yeah for sure brian anything else on on your end here before we get out of here audio Uh, going up
2: i don't think so uh i feel like i'm gonna get lucky in pga this week it's my week pete
1: there you go um
2: but if there's MMA on Saturday, I'll have free ownership and projections if anyone wants them on my site.
1: There you go. Uh, thank you again to the chat for hanging out. Thank you to Will. Thank you to Brian. We'll see you guys next week on Lulz. Have a good one. Peace out.